So like I mentioned, we're starting a new series uh, today called In Christ Alone. We're looking at, uh, I'm calling it a weekly conversation on Christ's work. We're looking at uh, who is Jesus uh, and, and what has he done for us. And um, I'm really excited to do that personally. So let me pray for us. And then I'm going to do a little overview of the whole uh, next 12 weeks. And then, um, and, then, and then that'll be it for today. Okay, sound good? Good. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, uh, these students and their hearts to serve you and to know you. And I do pray over these next 12 weeks that we would fall more in love with Jesus. Now, for those of us who have questions about who he is and what he's done for us, that we would have them answered. And for those of us who are still trying to figure out what we believe, and um, I, I pray that, that you would give clarity and assurance to those who lack, um, lack those things. So, uh, Father, uh, help us uh, as we know that we can only do this in your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so like I said, we're going to do a little introduction and overview, and it'll be pretty simple. I'm not going to do, um, I'm not going to talk too much about things. I'm more going to pose a question for you uh, and 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 then answer it in the weeks to come. Um, so if you're if you're a uh, kind of person who likes to know what we're doing, um, I'm going to first talk about um, this idea of transcendence. Does anybody know what transcendence is? Is that a, is that a term that people have used before or no? What does that mean? Anybody anybody know what transcendent means? Something beyond the now, right? Eternal, um, something bigger than our own individual lives. Um, I think that, that one of the greatest questions that, that many people struggle with is this, is this concept of transcendence. We all long for transcendence. We all long for legacy. We all long for um, maybe not to be remembered, but to, to know that we're a part of something bigger than what's going on right now. So I'm going to look at that, just our, our, our how did God design us and and how has he created us for this longing for transcendence um, for, that we have answered in him? And then we're going to look at a passage in Scripture about when Jesus uh, confronts his disciples on, uh, and asks them, who do you say that I am? And then we'll give you a little overview of, of everything. Uh, so uh, I'm going to watch this video. It's only a minute long. Uh, it's Tim Keller. Uh, one of my, uh, I really like this, what he has to say about this kind of stuff. He wrote a book called uh, The King's Cross um, about Jesus and... Uh, he talks a little bit about this thing called transcendence, so let's watch this together. When I started out in Christian ministry 35 years ago, so many people said that our society was going to become, as time went on, less and less religious. There would be fewer and fewer religious believers because we were getting more philosophically and scientifically sophisticated. Very few people are saying that now. In fact, it's almost as if the more secular our society gets, the more it drives individuals to seek transcendence and purpose and authentic spirituality. People are seriously investigating faith in general and Christianity in particular, even in New York City. And when they do that investigation, they are going to find this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is surprisingly different. It's different from irreligion. The idea that you don't need God, or there's a little God in everyone. It's also different from religion, the idea that if you're very good and very moral, God will bless and save you. If you have never set foot in a church, or you've been a Christian your whole life, you are going to be surprised by the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ. They never fail to surprise me. I'm writing for people who are exploring Christianity from a distance, and then he talks about his book. It's not that important. So what are some things that you all heard from, from what he said? 
You heard the word transcendent. Did he kind of define that for you a little bit better than I did? <laughs> Thanks. Well, yeah, how did he say it? And this is a question for everybody. What did, what did he say transcendence is? He kind of contrasted it with kind of this idea of naturalism or the natural world, right? That, that um, a lot of us, you know, if you, if you know the word secular, it's just a belief that what exists is, is what exists and that um, what you can't taste, touch, see, smell, feel, um, if, if, if it is supernatural, then it cannot exist. So um, naturalism is kind of the kind of the worldview of secularism. So what he says is that when people uh, embrace secularism, what happens? They begin to search for what? Something beyond the natural world, right? They 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 long to search for something that transcends their natural world, and um, and uh, and it's not that that the natural world and the supernatural world, right? Jesus, God. Um, the Holy Spirit, miracles. Um, it's not that they, they're in conflict with one another, but rather that the supernatural invades the natural and informs us in how we are to live and what we are to do, right? So, um, any other thoughts? I know that may be kind of like, what is he talking about? Well, just whatever. For those of you who can hear, hear, if those of you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't know what I'm talking about, I guess. Um, right? So, any questions from that or thoughts from the video? Other thoughts? No. What about the, what about this concept of like religion and irreligion, and how how there's a third way that's uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? How, what is what do you think about those things that he said? What is irreligion? Yeah, there's a there, there's a, a God for everyone. It's very uh, what's that word? Um, ag- no, not agnostic. Yes, agnostic, but like. Um, polytheistic, right? Like, you've got your way, I've got my way, you've got your God, I've got my God. It's all kind of the same roads that lead to the same destination, right? Um, so that's irreligion. It can be, it can be kind of atheism, uh, where I believe in that, that there is no God. It can be polytheism, where there's lots of gods, how can you even know? Or it could be, what did you say? Agnosticism, where it's like, um, God created the world, that there is some kind of supernatural, but there's no, there's no intersection between the supernatural and the natural. He kind of he created things and let them go um, in that way. So, um, and, and, and he says that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is different. How, how do you think that's different? Why is it different? What makes it different? Essentially, what makes it different is because of what Jesus claimed he was, Right? He, he, he claimed Jesus was a specific person with a specific, uh, just, as, just as I am a specific person, I have brown hair, blue eyes, I grew up in Cincinnati. If you were to say that Eric, oh yeah, I know Eric Shrimpton, he's from Columbus, and he's, uh, he's from Asian descent, and uh, he, likes, um, he likes to eat uh, sushi on a regular basis. That's not who I am, right? So therefore, how could you claim that's who I am if, if that's not who I am, right? In the same way, Jesus was a specific person with, with specific thoughts, who did specific things, who had specific works, who looked a specific way, and it is, it is, it is irresponsible for us to claim uh, who he was outside of what's been recorded about who he is, right, it, um, uh, in the Gospels, and who he claimed himself to be, right, uh, who he quoted himself to be. And in that he says what? Uh, that I am, um, 
I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but through me, right? So that, that dispels the myth of polytheism, that there's all this uh, religious systems out there that all lead to one destination, right? Uh, if, if, uh, if that's true, then Jesus conflicts with that, so Jesus' way is not on that mountain, right? Um, Jesus claims to be the Savior of the world, um, so, so uh, if we look to other things to save us uh, from, our, uh, from the wrath of God or from um, people's opinions, whatever you're looking to be saved from, uh, Jesus is the Savior, right? So if that is true, then we, we must submit to Him as Savior and look to Him as Savior, right? So there's all these things. Um, uh, so, so, so what I'm trying to tell you is that uh, the question of who is Jesus is a really, 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 really important question. It's not just like um, a question like, uh, where should I go eat today? Or uh, what's my favorite color? No, there, there is the most important, important question that you have your, to answer in your life in standing before God is the question of who is Jesus Christ? And this, this, this year, we're going to look at that question. What is the scriptures... Who does Jesus claim he is from the scriptures? Because in John 5, he says that the whole counsel of the Old Testament bears witness to him, and the whole reason for the New Testament is a tell of his coming. So he's really important, right? And it's really important for us to go to the places that he has told us to go to know him. Um, I love this quote by Napoleon. Anybody know who Napoleon is? I can't give a great definition. He was the French emperor in the French time that did these Frenchy things and tried to make French France, you know. Um, he was before Hitler. Uh, he was after the people that he claims here, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne. Uh, I studied him a long time ago, but, you know, I just, Napoleon just doesn't come up in regular conversation, so. Yeah, not the vote for Pedro, Napoleon. That's good. But he says this, I know men, and I truly, and he was like, he had a massive influence. He was the most, in his day and age, he was the most influential figure in his day and age. And he says this, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I, talking about himself, not me, Eric, but Napoleon, have founded empires. Uh, but on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force, Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love, and at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Right? That's a pretty, like, he's a historical man who had a huge historical influence, and he says this about Jesus Christ. You know, probably 1600, who, when was he alive? When was the point in life? Is he 1700s? 1800s. So this was 1800 years after, I think 1718. So 17, 1800 years after um, he existed, right? So this is a pretty stark claim. And, and this is true. Like, if you think about, like, the, the amount of influence that, that one person has had on the world, who is the most influential, influential, influential hi- figure in history? Who has the deepest legacy? Just, it's Jesus, right? So, so there's something unique about Jesus that stands above every other human being that lived in the earth. And, and I believe it's because he is God um, as others. Uh, I love this. Socrates, this is about philosophy. So one was about leadership. This is about philosophy and teaching. Socrates taught for 40 years, Plato for 50, Aristotle for 40, and Jesus for only three. Yet the influence of Christ's three-year ministry infinitely transcends the impact left by, by the combined 130 years of teaching from these men who are among the greatest philosophers of all antiquity. Like, that's a pretty amazing claim about Jesus, right? 
And um, if you really think about it, like every philosophy and every system and every religious system is, is tied to a demographic. Christianity and the, those who claim to follow Jesus, it literally is, has transcended all tribe, tongues, and nations. And it's not just linked to the West or to the East or to Palestine or to the Jews. It, it's, been a, it's been a thing that has transcended cultures, which not, there's very few things that can claim that. I don't think there's anything that can claim that, except maybe technology, the thing that's transcended that. Almost every culture uses technology, but maybe that's not true. I'm just throwing that out there. And this is what Jesus, this is what the Bible says. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is Jesus saying this, right? So transcendence, life, the, 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 the hope for eternal life, the beyond the now, something greater, something more significant uh, to be a part of, is, is found in this idea that, they would, that we would know God and Jesus. So like I said, knowing Jesus is what? The most important pursuit of your life, according to John 17.3. And you should have an answer. It's important. John 14, 6, as Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the most, um, probably the most um, um, offensive claim that Jesus makes about himself. Maybe uh, in your world that you live in, in in, uh, the northern suburbs of Cincinnati, this is not as offensive. But if you were to take this to the Middle East, if you were to take this claim to um, communist China, if you were to take this claim to, um, uh, to the universities, right? If you, were to, if you were just to travel a little bit into our cities and you were to go to the teachers of our cities and you were to claim this, they would think that you were an idiot and that you were primitive and that you are not enlightened. Um, so so, 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 so uh, it's really important uh, uh, that we know who Jesus is in accordance with what he said. And like I said, and I'll say it again, this is the most important question that we could ask. And, and Jesus asks it of his disciples. Not just his disciples literally in Matthew 16, but he asks it to us today. Can somebody read Matthew 16, 14 through 17 for us? I'll read it since I guess I'm on the microphone for this thing. So maybe it's important. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. Oh, I missed, I missed the fir- 13. Yeah. Uh, summarize what happens before verse 14. Jesus asks his disciples, um, what are people saying about him? Right? He just says, what are people saying that I am? And then they answer with this. And they said, the disciples, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Right? He turns this question. This is what people are saying, but what do you say about who I am? And Simon Peter uh, who, y'all know Peter probably, replies, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Right? Jesus turns his question, and he asks his disciples specifically, Who do you, Simon, Peter, say? Who do you say that I am? Right? And the same thing he asks us to us. I don't care what your parents say about who I am, or what Eric, your pastor, says. Or what the student next to you says. Who do you say that I am? Like That is, like I've said, the most important question. Because when we stand before God at judgment, He's not going to ask, what, are your, what did your parents teach you about me? Or what did, what did your pastors teach you about me? Or, or what did your friends have to say about me? Or professors or teachers? He's going to ask you, no. Who do you, who do you say that Jesus is? It's a personal question. 
right? Not just an intellectual question. Well, some say that you're the son of God, and some say that you're a prophet, and some say this. No, it's personal. It's very, very personal. You know, uh, culturally, a lot of people have uh, things to say about who Jesus is. Um, this is this is artwork uh, from different cultures about who Jesus is, and 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 uh, and and I, I I show you this because many people, as you can see by the different faces. Uh, many people have different interpretations of how Jesus, who Jesus is, and how Jesus looks. Right? Uh, uh, you have um, the African Jesus. You have the the, um, the Asian Jesus. You have kind of like the Middle Eastern Jesus. Uh, this is one of the first. This is like used uh, as an image uh, with, within the Orthodox Church, so kind of Eastern-ish. This is basically like American Jesus. Like I would go into. Um, I worked in a ministry uh, with a lot of. Um, uh, it was uh, in St. Louis. It was called Workday. Uh, it was a, basically a ministry to widows. Where we'd go to their houses from different churches and say, hey, what do you need? How do you, what kind of help do you have? And, 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 and most of them were African-American, and most of them had this picture of Jesus in their house. Uh, so that's why I, I chose that one. Um, this is like, like if you were to go like, to like, um, uh, the History Channel and watch, like, they did, this is like they tried to like, historically reenact what did Jesus really look like. And this is the belief of, like, this is what Jesus looked like. And I don't know why I chose this one. Oh, this, is, this was the first ever image that was depicted of who Jesus is. So, like, this was the first Jesus artwork. I don't know who it was done by or where it is, but this is the first image. So I show this. To, I, I, go, I, I, go, I tell you this because, like, there's just lots of interpretations of who Jesus is. And you see that by the art that's, the art that's depicted of him. Every year a new book comes out about this question of who is Jesus, right? And who is the real Jesus? Um, and I have, and some archaeologist finds new information that tells you about, like, the things that you've heard about Jesus can't be trusted, and there's lots of things out there that you need to, you know, doubt because of these things. Every year, a new book comes out that's on the New York Times bestseller list about how Jesus really isn't Jesus, and somebody casts their own understanding and their own image upon you as to who Jesus is, instead of going to the scriptures and saying, what did Jesus have to say about himself, right, which is important. This is like, like when I think of like my misunderstandings of Jesus, this is how I imagine Jesus, right? Uh, Jesus was like this really cuddly guy, and he loved the animals, right? That's like, that's like super cuddly Jesus who like is not offensive at all, right? It's like Jesus like loves me because of everything, and right? This is like the teacher Jesus, like, come to me, all you children, and I'll teach you things. So like many people, have, they, they, they think Jesus is like primarily a teacher. This is like, I will, I will strike you down if you defy me, Jesus. This is actually Zeus, right? So like, I'll strike you with lightning. And this is Santa Claus Jesus. And I love it. It's like, you're, you know, what's that song? Not How's that song go? You better watch out. You better not cry, right? If you're good, I'll give you, I'll give you good things. But if you're bad, I'll give you coal, right? These are, this is kind of like, before I really understand who Jesus was, these were kind of like all my understandings of Jesus. None of them, all of them are, which are a caricature and not true of who Jesus is, right? And I think that's more accurate than this for our contemporary age. But this is how the majority of people see Jesus. And uh, I love this quote by C.S. Lewis, who many of you have read and seen before. But he says this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, uh, as this Jesus, right? He's a great teacher, um, but I don't accept his claims to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said these sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. Y'all understand that, right? 
Like, he claimed to be God. If he wasn't, then he was a liar, and he was somebody you can't trust, right? And he'll get in that. Oh, sorry. Uh, he would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who said he's, he is a poached egg, so, like, somebody who just is, 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 has no wits, uh, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must, e- you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit on him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not, let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human, a human teacher. He has, not le- he has not left that open to us. He has not intended to. And, that's, and, and within this quote is kind of my goal for the next 12 weeks, is that I would present a Jesus to you from the scriptures in such a way that you would either, say, you would either fall at his feet and say, Wow, he really is the Son of God, and I can trust him, I can look to him, and I know that he is my Savior. Or you'll, or you'll go to the other end and say, this, this guy was crazy, and this whole thing called church is madness. Because that really is the two polarizing opposites that we can, we can arrive at. You just can't sit wishy-washy on the fence and say, like, oh, Jesus, yeah, he's a good guy, he's kind of like Santa Claus, you know, he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, and he'll give you coal or whatever. <laughs> Right? Oh, he's just this cuddly guy who loves everybody. No, he doesn't. Right? Um, he, he was very angry at the right things and the right people. Or he's this like Zeus figure who strikes you down when you're bad, and so you just got to live a good life. Or he's just like this, I'll learn how to treat people and live, live a successful life. Right? No, he is God, and he had a mission. And, uh, you know, hands down, the, the symbol that has stayed through all of Christian tradition is, is this, right? It's not Santa Claus. It's not Jesus, the great moral teacher. It's the cross. Why? What does the cross symbolize? It's a summary of who Jesus is and what he came to do. He came to save us. He came as God in the flesh to save sinners by living and giving a sacrificial death so that we might have eternal life and believe in his name. Um, so, it's really important for us to answer this question. Who do you say that I am? And it's really important for you, especially at where you are in your stage of life, because you are at a place as a teenager where naturally you are trying to figure this out. Maybe you have, and that's great, and you're trying to, to grow in it, or maybe you're kind of like wondering, like, is this just the thing that my parents believe? Do I really believe what they believe? Um, why do I go to church on Sunday? Uh, I just go here because so people, they can see me, they don't have to ask me questions about things, or I don't know, whatever, right? Um, hands down, fundamentally, who do you say that Jesus is? That is the driving factor, the standing point for everything that you call Christianity or whatever it else may be, right? Who do you say that I am? And it's important for us to, to do this. In summary, the most important question that you must answer is the question of who is Jesus? And this answer isn't simply an intellectual answer. Rather, it is personal. When we stand before God on judgment, He will not ask us what, what we others say about Jesus, about who we say about who others say Jesus is. Rather, He will ask us who we personally believe who Jesus is. For us to answer the question of who is Jesus, we must first start in scriptures to understand who Jesus is by what by looking at what He has done. For in God's grace. He has given us the answer to that question for us to discover through his word. What I'm trying to summarize there is that that's, where do we go to answer this question? We go to the word, right? There's a lot of people out there who have claims about they know who Jesus is, and, and, and some of them are great, some of them aren't, right? But we must go to the scriptures to understand who is Jesus.
Because in John 5 it says, you search the scriptures, this is Jesus talking, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me so that you may have life. Jesus, the question of knowing Jesus and discovering Jesus leads to what? Life. And that's not just I'm saved and have eternal life, right? It's no, there's a quality of living that begins now that we grow in that's challenged, right? We, we, we looked at Simon's confession, right? He confessed that Jesus is the Christ. What would he do after that? He would actually deny that Jesus is the Christ when, in, in front of people. And then Jesus would come to him and restore him, right? So there's a, there's a narrative there that when we confess that, oh yeah, he is the Christ, our faith is going to be challenged. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow. But he will be challenged eventually. And we will fail to live up to the standards of belief because we are weak and fragile. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus is always there to rescue us, right? And to come back to us and to restore us. So that's what we're going to look at. There's, there's nine things that we're going to look at. And it's from a book that I love uh, that have more than nine. Um, but these I've selected nine that I think are of most importance. And uh, we're going to look at who Jesus is and, and what he has done for us. Uh, or no, that's reverse. We're going to look at what he has done to better understand who he is. His incarnation, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his second coming. What are those things and what do they teach us about ourselves and then who Jesus is, uh, Christ, he's our reconciler, our redeemer, our victory, and our sacrifice um, on our behalf. So uh, we will be taking this term to look at how these nine topics influence our understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, leading us to a deeper love for Christ and desire to walk with him in all of life. So that's my pitch. That's my, uh, that's my sell to you. Um, and I, I invite you to come over these next nine weeks if you can make it. Um, Twelve weeks. There's some things going on in there that we have to miss. So, um, 11 weeks is what it will be. So, um, so yeah. Any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns before we close? No? Okay. Well, here's what you guys to do. Um, go ahead and in groups of like three, four, five, just talk about your, your aha moment. Just what, what, is the, what is your light bulb? What is this thing that you're walking away with? And then we'll be done.